Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. I want to encourage you to take your notes out. If you brought a Bible, grab your Bible. If you have a Bible app, uh, turn to the Bible app on your phone, and we're going to continue on. We are in week three uh, of a series we're calling Long Story Short. Say it with me. Long Story Short. And here's what we're doing. We are using the Bible to help us understand the Bible. And so the challenge for the preachers across the series is simply this. We're going to give you the sweep of Scripture, uh, of, of Scripture, and we're going to do it in six weeks. So we're going to preach our way through the Bible in six weeks. How's that? And we are on week three, and I, I'm going to read a story to you that comes uh, out of the Older Testament. It happens in Genesis chapter 12. And this is the story where God calls Abram, who we uh, learn later on, his name is changed, he becomes Abraham. But here we are, the call of Abram, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. This is what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Now, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there again, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we're going to thank you uh, in this moment that you have given us a written record of your faithfulness to your people. And God, in this place, from wherever we are navigating to this spot, whatever our faith journey to this moment, we invite you by the power of your presence into this place so that you might use your word to bring strength and hope and purpose and meaning to our lives. For this we pray in the name of Christ, and everyone said, amen. amen. So uh, what we're doing uh, is we're using the Bible to help us understand the Bible. 
And the challenges of what, of what we're doing is we're going to go through the, the, the whole story of the Bible uh, in six weeks. And this is what we're doing in this series. I'm kind of working from an assumption I want to give to you. Here's, here's my assumption. No offense, okay? So this is a no offense zone, but here's my assumption. Assumption number one, many of us have a Bible. Okay, so let me raise your hand if you've got a Bible. Assumption number two, some of us have actually touched one. <laughs> Great. Assumption number three, most of us don't read the Bible, let alone really deeply consider what is that is written here can bring purpose and meaning to our lives. And here's why we don't understand it. Can I get an amen? And so this is sort of the assumption that I bring into this text. But here's the interesting thing that the Bible, and when I say this, I mean the authors within the Bible presuppose that the Bible can bring purpose and meaning to our lives. So one of the things I want to tell you in this series is simply this. One of these things is not like the other. Because uh, most of us have a Bible. Most of us have even touched one. But many of us don't read it because we don't understand it. And therefore, we, we're not able to unlock the potential of what is in there to bring great meaning and clarity to our lives. I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, what can I, what can I offer to us as a way that might uh, give perhaps a window into my own soul, my own journey in this? And I started thinking, you know, what were some of the verses uh, that in my own experience have uh, proved this point and, and have been helpful to me across the years in my own experience? And I wanted to just give to you three to show you that, that what the Bible is actually claiming is that there's power within it. Now, one is Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. How many of you have ever lost your way? Guys, all hands up in the room. Okay? All right? So the, the word of God is saying here, the, the writer of this scripture is saying that God's word is like a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. Here's another one of my favorites, Hebrews 4.12. Look at this one. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two, a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. How many of you have ever contemplated your perspective and your motives as to whether they were right? So the word of God is saying here, the writer of this scripture, unknown to history, is, is saying this. When you read the Word of God, it, it will help you navigate to a better sense the clarity of your motives. Interesting. Here's another one of my favorites. All Scripture, Paul says to Timothy, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God can be equipped for every good thing that comes along the way, how many of you ever had a sense where you wanted to deepen your faith in the living God? Writer of this scripture says, reading the scripture can help you navigate toward that goal. But what I want us to think about this morning is these scriptures, watch this, are, are embedded somewhere into the larger story. And every now and again, when we read these or when we pluck a scripture just sort of out of the Bible and we don't know the larger story, sometimes it can be confusing to us. And we can misunderstand and, and maybe even worse, misrepresent what's in there. 
And so uh, I thought, uh, and the idea behind this series is if we're ever going to grow in our awareness of how the Bible speaks into our own lives through uh, God's word, then we need to understand the larger picture of what's going on. And here's what we've been saying. Maybe you want to write this down. We've been saying this. The Bible is telling a story. The Bible is telling a story. And if it's telling a story, it's a biography about a person And this is great news because here's what we've been saying. We experience life as a story. Whatever you might want to say about your own experiences, you navigate into a place like this as you're considering with us uh, this morning the truths that we're trying to apply and think through. We experience our lives as a story. Now, I was thinking about this because, um, you know, uh, many of us have our own, uh, our, our favorite sports teams, or we have our favorite athletes, our favorite singers, and this sort of thing. But pastors, we have our, we have our favorite theologians. And, and one of my, one of my favorite theologians that I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed reading from through the years was a lay theologian. He's a poet, is a G.K. Chesterton. And this is what he says. I have always felt life first as a story. And if there's a story, there's a storyteller. And, and, and this is a great thing to know, that we experience life as a story. The Bible is telling a story, but the problem comes in when we realize that life is like a story that we've fallen into the middle of. And you know why I know this is true? Because every now and again, if you're like me, you'll, you'll, you'll be at a particular place in your journey, and you'll say something like this. Maybe not the same words I would use, but it sounds something like this, or the thought is something like like this. How did I get here? Ever said that? Ever thought that? We begin our life, we're on a journey, we're kind of moving in this one direction, and suddenly we wind up in this place, and and we, we sometimes will ask ourselves, what happened? How'd I get here? What, what, I, I don't really know where I've come from to get to this place. I don't know really where I'm going from here. I'm sort of stuck in the middle. How did this happen? And we experience life like this. All of us, every one of us, whether you're here, whether you're listening online, we experience life like a story, and our story takes all these unique twists and turns, some of them good, some of them not good. And we wonder. See, part of what we're wanting to do in this series without any kind of apology is simply say this to you. I want to give you an alternative way to think about things because when you leave these doors and go through these doors in a few moments, you're going to go back into a world that has a narrative. And that narrative is is very strong and very powerful. And we're not allowed really to veer off the narrative. We're just supposed to fall in line with everybody else and follow the narrative. And here's what we want to say to you. What if everything about the narrative on the other side of these doors isn't exactly the whole story? What if there's something else? In fact, I think about this. um, One author that I read from says this. Sometimes we experience life and we, we, we think to ourselves that perhaps there's something hidden for us in the ancient past. Maybe there's something dangerous unfolding around the corner, something waiting in the future for us to discover, and maybe even there's a crucial role for us to play. 
And the thing is, we won't begin to understand our own lives or what this so-called good news that Christianity speaks of until we understand the story into which we have found ourselves. I agree. And so part of what we want to do is we want to help you navigate where you are right now and maybe just for a moment crack the door open and think maybe there's something else going on. And so when you read all of Scripture, you have all of these stories, you have all of these narratives, you have all of these declarative statements, but what is the rhythm of the Scripture over the whole? And we're saying, really, there are six things that we ought to know. And so if we know these things, then every time we're reading a verse, every time we're reading a story, every time we're, we're, we're reading one of these statements, what we can do is we can connect it, hopefully, to the larger story that's unfolding around us, these six things. So this is what we've said. So the first one, of course, we said is creation, right? And what do we want to remember about creation? Here's what we remember. We remember about creation that God is good. Say it with me. God is good. And we want us to know that about creation, creation begins with a good God doing good work. So God is good, and God has created good. And let me tell you why I believe this is important, because as a pastor, I sit with people every now and again, and, 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 and one of the things that's difficult sometimes is, is as a pastor to watch God be credited with some bad thing that's going on in our lives as though God is bad. And this is why it's good to know that when God created, God create is good and God created good. Why? So that when bad things happen in our life, we need to know that that's not how it started. There's a backstop. And every, every one of us, when we're thinking through some of the things we've experienced in our lives, we just have to go to the back to the backstop and, and stop right there and say, okay, here's what I need to remember about this right now. God is good, and he has meant good for me. And when he created, he created good. I don't know about you, but that, that, that just says something very powerful to me. And every now and again in my life, when I've experienced certain things, I've had to just say, all right, I remember, God is for me. Come on now, not against me. I just need to remember that. So the first movement we have to understand is this. It's creation. God is good. God has created good. Here's the second movement, and we looked at it last week, and we just called it fall. Not like a season of the year. But there was a fall, there was a transaction, there was something that happened. And, and I like it uh, to think of it this way. Every, every story, we said, has a villain. And uh, one author says it this way, it's hard to think of a tale without a villain as children. We learn of the big bad wolf and the troll under the bridge. As we grow older, we discover more serious villains, like in Star Wars, Darth Vader, Darth Maul. We may remember the wicked witch of the West who haunted Dorothy. How many remember that? That She scared me. Anybody else scared of it? I remember when I was growing up, my mom would, like, she would come out and tell us, like, you know, it was like a big thing when that show came on TV. Like, come on in. It's, what is the name of the show? I've tried to block it out of my memory. Yeah, we had to come in and watch it. It was horrifying. 
that there was the wicked witch of the West, right? And then he's, uh, he goes on and he says, Wallace fought against Longshakes. Maximus went hand-to-hand against Commodus. And the story we're learning is a villain too, one that Jesus fought with for 40 days in the wilderness. And the one uh, of whom Peter the apostle reminded us prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You have a villain. There's an arch enemy at loose in the world bent on stealing, killing, and destroying God's work within your heart. So sometimes when we experience bad, could it, could it be maybe not that God is bad, but there's a villain on the loose? Now that's an idea. Well, this morning, uh, what we're going to do for a few moments is I want to I take you to the third movement. And I'm just going to call scholars, we're going to put our thinking caps on, scholars call the third movement. They just say, they call it, largely they call it Israel. Now, not like the, you know, the country of Israel, the, the, the people of Israel, but, but, but this is what we see often in Scripture. And, and watch this. I know, I know all the OCD folks are a little challenged in the room because we're going to go through the whole Bible in six weeks, and we're halfway in at the conclusion of this service, and we've gone 12 chapters. <laughs> I know some of you in the room are going, you know, Pastor Dale, you got to pick up the pace a little bit. we got to make up some room. But here's what I want to tell you. If you begin with Genesis chapter 12, you can run from Genesis chapter 12 all the way to Matthew. Look at what I've done just in that moment. <laughs> and it's a story about Israel, but here's the thing I want us to think about. It's really, it's a story about people. And it's the story about how God forms a people after his purpose. Do you know what, what this is right here? This, this, this is a, a test case, a reminder of how God is forming a people for his purpose. And from Genesis chapter 12, what you see, this is, this is that golden moment. This is that wonderful moment where God is beginning to form a people and it's a case study of how God does this. And what I notice that you see over and over and over again from Genesis chapter 12 all the way to the New Testament is kind of a movement in three parts. And I want to give them to you. And the first one, it's easy to see. It's called blessing. The first way that God forms people is he speaks into their heart and he reminds them of their blessing. And it's kind of an interesting thing that what we have happened. You notice there in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, over and over, over and over again, he's telling Abram, I will bless you. I will lead you here. I will bless you. I will bless your people. Your, my blessing will be on you. It's sort of this moment where he's uh, inviting him to begin to trust God for this and to experience this. And it's a powerful thing. I, I sometimes take delight at how God chooses to form his people. I think it runs very similarly to the way that oftentimes we as parents, here we are on a Mother's Day weekend, talking about how we as parents form our children. 
I was talking recently to a friend of mine. Uh, they have two children. Uh, they had a little girl, and then uh, she was sharing with me. She said, then when our, our son came along, uh, she said he, he was just uh, wonderful. And she said when he was very young, we had this experience where as he was learning to talk, this is oftentimes what parents do, she said, I would walk him around the house and I would touch objects and I would say what the object is and then he would try to repeat it back to me. Some of his parents remember that. And one day I was getting ready to get put him in his bath and give him a bath and, and she said we were in the bathroom and she said, so I was playing this sort of game with him and I, I went to the cabinet, I touched the cabinet and I said, cabinet, and he tried to say it. I said, sink, touch the sink. Handle, he tried to say handle. And then she said, we had this big star that was hanging on our wall in the bathroom. She's from Texas. And she said, as I went to touch the star, the nail was loose in the wall, and this big metal star fell off the wall and fell into a metal trash can. Tremendous noise. He didn't really say anything. It didn't frighten him. He didn't cry. And she said, I I, I would have forgotten about it. Except a couple weeks later, we were participating in the same routine, and we're in the bathroom, and we're doing this again. And she said, I touched the cabinet. I went, cabinet. He said, cabinet. Touch the sink, sink. Handle. And when I went to touch the star, he said, uh-oh. <laughs> Isn't that great? He formed a memory. Listen to this. He formed a memory of an, of an event, not an object. And what you see embedded in this text is this, uh, is what God is really saying to Abram. And in fact, this is what God often says to all of us. And in fact, you read from Genesis through 12, all the way through to uh, into the New Testament, and you'll often see God inviting us to create a memory of his presence around an event. It sounds something like this. Build an altar. March around the wall. Shake the dust off your feet. Take off your shoes. Do this in remembrance of me. Last week, I went to my seminary, and I had some board meetings I had to attend up there, and um, there's something I do every time I go there. Uh, I'll do a lot of things. There's some restaurants I want to hit. There's some things I want to do, but there's always one thing that I do every time. And I go to the place where I took a picture with my mom and dad when they dropped me at seminary the first time after I'd said yes to God. I want to show you the picture. Square tie and all. They were hot back then. And I go and stand in that place. And God says that part of the blessing is to remember the experience of His grace and how it's shown up in your life. Let me just ask you a question. Have you done that? 
Can you look back and see God's favor in your life? And have you taken a moment to say, I'm going to mark the moment. I'm going to seal the space. This is how he forms the people. They remember his blessing. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could stop right there? Let's just stand for closing prayer. Only problem is we know that's not all the story. There's blessing, and then, and then we'd have to say this, right? There's failure. It's a bummer. It's part of the human condition. And there is that part of failure that is just, it's just part of who we are. We come off the mountain, we go back to work. doesn't always work out the way we want it to work out. And there's a moment where we have to decide in that. And sometimes it just happens out of our own humanity. I want to show you a picture. I've got a neat picture here. Uh, this was us traveling. And you can see there it's the Atlanta Braves. Pray for them. They're not doing well. <laughs> and um, it had been a rough couple weeks. Many of you all know I had the vocal surgery and all that. It's been hard for me. It's kind of a journey I've been on. And Beth called me up. And she said, you know, we're going to leave. And she said, I looked up. I know you love the Braves, sweetheart. And she said, they're actually home. And um, we're on the way to Kentucky. Why don't we go see a game? And I said, that's, that's, that's great. And so this is typically how it goes in our house. She'll say, do you want me to buy the cheap seats or the not-so-cheap seats? And I, I just, on a whim, I just said, let's don't, baby, let's don't do the cheap seats. Let's throw it. She said, you sure? I said, yeah, let's just, let's just do it. So we get up, and we're, we're driving to the game, uh, and uh, all of a sudden I stop, and I, I look at my phone when we stopped uh, to get some gas, and, and Eric Stewart, director of our student ministry, had called, and, or had texted me, and he said, hey, just double-checking, you, you guys know that the game starts at noon, right? And that's the one thing we didn't actually know. <laughs> so I'm... I'm actually standing in front of the park I didn't get to see. And this illustration I'm sharing with you right now, thank you very much, costs you and me 120 bucks. Yeah, baby, let's don't buy the cheap seats. Eric now works at Winn-Dixie. <laughs> um, there's that failure. It's interesting when you read the text that God will often ask us to mark the moment when we failed so we don't forget it. Can I be one who says kind of controversially, I'm not a big revisionist history person. When we start scrubbing all of our history clean, we forget where we've made pivotal decisions. If you go to Berlin, it's interesting. You see these sort of things all over the city. You know what they are? They're stumbling stones. And all through Berlin, when you walk through Berlin, you'll trip over these stones that are higher than the other stones, and they force you to look down and remember somebody who lost their life in the Holocaust. They don't want you to forget. 
lest we ever do it again. From Genesis chapter 12 to Matthew chapter 1, what you have is this cycle that happens over and over again. God blessing his people, moments of deep failure, and there's always a decision in failure. Do you stop? Do you give up? Or do you get up, brush yourself off, and get back on mission? Because here's, here's the interesting thing. The last part of this is rescue. God is ready to rescue. And you know the interesting thing about rescue? Watch this. Rescue always takes place when a person uh, is willing to trust God. What we find in the story of Abram is simply this, one man, one man. We can look at another story, and you know what we find? One woman. One woman. Many of our stories right now that are tinge marked with the blessing of God and with the failure of our own human condition, God is saying simply this to every one of us in the room. It's time to get desperate enough to get up, get back on mission, and fulfill your divine assignment. So I was at the meetings up last week and I had a friend of mine who's a pastor who I greatly respect serving in Indiana. It's a privilege to serve with him on this board. And he was telling me about experience. He lost his dad earlier this year. And we were talking about that experience. And he said, I have the weirdest thing I want to tell you. And, and he set it up preemptively. He said, now I know you're a pastor. We, we both have the theological degrees. I just need to tell you something. And he said, I need you to not judge me. I said, well, you got my attention. He said, a couple weeks after my father died, he said, I was in my study preparing my sermon, and my dad showed up. I said, okay, you got my attention now. He said, it was almost like the wall of my study disappeared. And he said, again, he kept going, I got, I got all the theology, just can you hear me out? I said, sure. He said, it was like the, the wall disappeared, and he said, my dad just like kind of showed up. It, it was weird. It was like a younger version and he said, hi, Greg. I said, hi, Dad. And he said, so I met with Jesus today. Greg goes, okay. He wanted me to tell you a couple things. Greg said, all right. Rubbing his eyes. He said, he wanted me to tell you, first of all, listen to this. <laughs> it's all true. Every bit of it is true. Wow. And he said, Dad, thank you for saying that. He said, Greg, you wanted me to tell you something else. Okay. He said, you're doing a good job, but he wants you to finish your assignment. And he said, just as Quick as he'd shown up, like he backed out, wall reappeared, and I made a decision, am I ever going to tell anybody <laughs> that that happened? I told him, I said, well, I'm going to tell my congregation on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Words out. 
I wonder if that wouldn't be what the Lord is saying to us. That was weird. (laughs) Finish your assignment. Finish your assignment. He's blessed you. Yes, you had moments of failure. You're going to get up. You're going to go on. You're going to let him rescue you. Over and over and over and over again, Genesis all the way through. Blessing, failure, rescue. Don't miss your moment. I want to end in a unique way, a little different. So if you're a guest, we don't do this all the time. So how many of you would say you've had a period in your life where you would say, God's blessed me? That's appropriate. How many of you would say you've experienced failure? How many of you would say you have a place in your life right now where God is saying, it's time to get up and go on? I want you to stand if that's you. See it? I want you to I want to be very clear. I'm standing. Two. It's time to recapture your assignment and finish it. We're going to sing a song of declaration that reminds us that hope is here. Billy? Lord, just like the people of old, all through Scripture, this is our moment of declaration. This is our moment to mark a memory of your faithfulness and your willingness to walk with us in this journey. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the ability to know you and to love you. Thank you, God, you've given us an assignment. Let us finish it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go in his blessing and his grace. We'll see you next weekend.